Enough by Callie Dean. My husband is out of town this week for work. With trepidation, I tuck my boys into their beds. Good night, I whisper, and silently I add my own prayer. Please, please let them stay asleep until morning. Against the silence of the house, my nightly routine sounds louder than usual. I gather the last dishes from the dinner table and turn on the faucet, the running water drowning out the need for any other background music. I plunge my hands into the sink and relish the rhythm of scrubbing. The dishes seem to take forever, though the pile is one place setting short. Afterward, I move on to the laundry and pack lunches for the next day. With my last bit of energy, I manage to write a few lines in my journal before I fall into our bed alone. Two hours later, I awake to the sound of crying. It's the baby, Miles. I lie in bed, willing him to go back to sleep, but the sound only escalates. I walk across the hall to settle him down. He is still drowsy, and after I pat his back, he falls agreeably back into his deep sleep. I wait, checking the clock, waiting the requisite five minutes just to make sure he's going to stay asleep, then tiptoe back to my bed, my feet practiced in the art of avoiding creaky floorboards. Two more hours pass. This time, my three-year-old Luke wakes up. Unlike the whimpers of his younger brother, his cries are loud and shrill. My body feels even heavier this time when I stand. By the time I reach the room, I'm too late. He has woken Miles up, and both boys are on high alert. I pick Miles up out of his crib and sit on Luke's bed, offering him my other arm. He screams louder. I want you to lay down next to me, he yells. I want to snuggle your neck. I don't want you to be holding Miles. You both need me right now, I say. I can hold you both right here, and after Miles falls back to sleep, I will keep holding you. I've made this mistake before, using logic to reason with an inherently illogical three-year-old. He continues screaming, his anger dissolving into sad sobs. Instantly, I am transported back one and a half years ago. I was still sore from childbirth and bleary-eyed from cluster feedings. My husband, Jordan, returned to work, and I wasn't sure how we would pass the long stretch of the day ahead. Our activities revolved around the slow, blissful pace of a newborn feeding, changing diapers, sleeping. Late in the morning, we went outside for a short walk. Luke rode his toy excavator down the street while I pushed the stroller behind him. All three of us, I realized, were looking at the world in an entirely new way. Not quite two years old, Luke was smitten with his baby brother. He checked on him in his swing, commented on the color of his poop, and kept him supplied with pacifiers. I beamed with pride when he decided to lie beside Miles during tummy time to teach him how to turn his head. But the day eventually turned into evening. Once Jordan arrived home and we had finished dinner, he began putting Luke to bed while I nursed Miles to sleep in our room. We had decided the best way to tackle our nightly routine was to divide and conquer. Luke didn't care about what made the most sense. He no longer cared about what his little brother needed. He only knew that I wasn't available to hold him anymore. Mama, he howled, drawing, drawing out the word in desperation. Mama. For the first three weeks of Miles' life, I cried every night. It was excruciating on some primal level to be needed by these two small people at the same time, knowing I could not give myself fully to both of them at the same time. My postpartum soul felt as raw as my body, and each evening wounded it a little more. Here was proof, it seemed, that I wasn't quite fit for this job. My lap wasn't big enough for two, and I feared neither was my heart. 
My children are no longer newborns, but I feel that same anxiety creeping back whenever we encounter each new stage of childhood. I feel like I'm not prepared enough, firm enough, consistent enough to take on the latest curveball my children have thrown at me, whatever it might be. Beneath it all, there lurks the core fear that I lack something essential in my DNA as a mother. At each new milestone, I have to learn once again that I am enough, not because of anything that I'm doing right or wrong, but simply because of who I am and whose image I reflect. I am made in the image of God. Brene Brown calls this mindset wholeheartedness, and I think Jesus once called it abundance. Whatever you call it, it is the antidote to scarcity, a reminder to show up with nothing more and nothing less than my whole self. Enough doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean that I'll always get it right or that everything will always go smoothly. There are still nights like tonight when no one sleeps, everyone screams, and I wish I could just slam the door and return to my room in peace. But I stay. I take a deep breath and steady myself, remembering the lessons I've already learned. My job isn't to fix everything or perform a magic trick to put them back to sleep. My job is to be as present as possible and trust that the rest will work itself out. Eventually, Miles nestles back onto my shoulder with a yawn. Luke sidles closer and wraps his arms around my neck. I listen to his sniffles and run my fingers through his hair. I am no longer worried that I'm going to run out of room. My lap is crowded, of course, but it is full. And so is my heart. I'm Lindsay Cornett, one of the editorial team members here at Kindred Mom, and today I'm really excited to chat with Callie Dean, the author of the essay you just heard. Callie, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'd love to begin just by giving our listeners the chance to get to know you a little bit better. So can you tell us a bit about you and your family? Sure. Um, So like you said, my name is Callie Dean. I live in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is up in the northern part of the state. And I have two little boys who are now ages five and three. And my husband is named Jordan. And so we live here together with our dog. And I work um, for a nonprofit organization that does educational technology. That is awesome. Well, right now, as we're recording this, most of us are cooped up at home, kind of quarantined and social distancing. Um, So I'd love to know if you are reading anything right now. I am. And you know, it's really interesting because I I feel like I read all the time. But over the past month, as we have been social distancing and everybody's stress level has been elevated, it's been a challenge to find out like what's the best thing to read during this time. Um, So I just finished reading a novel called Ask Again Yes by Mary Beth Keene. And it was good. I wouldn't say it's like my favorite thing I've ever read, but it was, you know, fast moving and something to get through. I've also been reading um, poems by Mary Oliver from a collection called Devotions. And those have been really wonderful and steadying for the moment. I love that. I started to read Ask Again Yes um, a few months ago. I had gotten it from the library, but it was one of those situations where I didn't get very far into it. And then it was due at the library and I couldn't renew it. Someone had a hold. And so um, I did not get to finish it, but I, I was intrigued. I would like to pick that back up sometime soon. Yeah, you really should. It, it comes together really nicely at the end. Um, and it is interesting because I do think that everything we're experiencing in the world is coloring everything I read and everything I write. Um, and so even though, of course, this book has nothing to do with being sick and being quarantined, um, I think it has a lot to say about motherhood. And um, and so I thought that aspect of it was really interesting. 
Yeah, that is really interesting. Cool. I will look forward to picking that back up sometime soon. Well, we are in the middle of our ages and stages series right now. So I'd love to know um, in what ways have you grown or changed as your kids have grown? So I like to believe and hope that as my children are getting bigger and and particularly as we, you know, have grown into being a family of four rather than a family of three, as I alluded to in the essay, that it really distills down um, the things that matter most. And so I was thinking about that this morning, that as my oldest son, who's now five, when he was three and starting preschool, it felt like picking the right preschool was like this monumental decision and everything that is ever going to happen in our future is dependent on it. And And I think as my children are growing older, I've, I've learned to let some of those um, daily decisions go and, and really focus in on the things that matter most, um, you know, and teaching the values that I want to impart and trying to cast a vision for how we want to get there. Um, you know, I, I think in my essay, one of the lessons that I've learned from having two children as opposed to one is that there is not enough of me physically to always go around and uh, I'm relearning that lesson again in quarantine as I try to um, work full time and also homeschool and take care of my children and do all the things. Um, but it's not possible to do all the things. And so you really do have to prioritize and do the things that matter. Yeah, I really love that. I think that's really wise. I have also kind of found that I think at the beginning, I sort of thought that there was like a right and a wrong solution to everything in motherhood or a right and a wrong choice to make when you were talking about the preschool decisions. That kind of, that's kind of what that reminded me of. And I think that, yeah, you have kind of learned or I have learned, maybe, maybe many of us as moms learn that it's more important to consider the big picture. Like you were saying, like what is the overall vision for our family and for motherhood and for my kids and to let that you know, guide us as we make decisions, but recognizing that, you know, it's not always super black and white. It's not always right or wrong or yes or no, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, the other thing, you know, my oldest started kindergarten this year and that opened up a whole new world of experiences and questions and issues and challenges um, and also opportunities. But it just made me realize, you know, all the things that people say about the days being, um, what is it? The days are long, but the years are short. Yeah. Um, you know, everything is just a season. It's hard to feel that when you're in the middle of a season or in the middle of a day, but, but really, you know, as you move into the next season, you really are able to look back and see how quickly things pass. It's yeah. a day because it's true, I think. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Well, last question for you. If you could talk to your pre-kid self, what would you want to tell her? I think that if I had told myself all the things that I would want to tell myself, I'm not sure I would have believed it. Um, I think there's plenty of people who, you know, try to tell you before you, you have kids how much your life is going to change and that it changes not just in the aspect of your family, but in everything you touch and create and do. Um, and I think I knew that intellectually before I had kids, but it's a whole nother journey to realize that in my heart and in my soul and in my life. Um, and I, and I think living into that has been good. Um, it's hard, but it's good. And so I think that the challenge is to find ways to, again, fully live that out as I go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think that, you know, there's just some lessons that 
you're only going to be able to learn through experience, you know, and through living through it. And motherhood is probably full of a lot of those sorts of lessons for sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think there's several times in that first year, first couple of years where you're like, why didn't anybody tell me about this? And then in the next breath, I'm like, probably somebody did. And it just didn't make sense until now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Callie, thanks so much for sharing this essay with us and for taking the time to chat with me. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. You too.